In the name of our Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. About a year after he blessed the marriage of a couple in Cana with the miracle of wine, Jesus returned to the same area. That previous year, a miracle had been requested of him, and Jesus had said, my time has not come yet. But then the miracle was performed. And here, Jesus rebuked the attitude of the people. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you certainly will not believe. But then he again performed a miracle. You might often wonder today why we don't see miracles as often as we desire them. And you might be able to give the answer that God works in his time. To your prayers, God can answer yes, or no, or wait. The purpose for which God answers your prayers, gives you miracles, or allows anything, is to strengthen your faith. He does not want you to become self-reliant or focused on the things of this world, but Jesus' word works in his time in order to be a sign given in our time with a goal outside of time to provide salvation for eternity. If you were to rank the miracles performed in Cana by importance, the social embarrassment Jesus prevented at the wedding is not as great as the salvation from death given to this official's son. This later miracle was a matter of life and death. So there's no contest, really. You can hear the urgency in his father's plea, Lord, come down before my little boy dies. He can't wait. His little boy was sick, suffering, and dying. As any father's heart would, his heart ached for his son. And this was a struggle with Jesus. The man was wrestling with him. He had begged him for help. He knew Jesus could do it. This was a miracle worker who had healed many, aside from countless other miracles. If there was any hope for this little boy, it would be found in Jesus. In that respect, then, we can say that this man did have faith of a certain sort, but did he believe in Jesus, his Savior, or only in Jesus, the miracle worker? It's a question each person ought to ask himself. Each person ought to examine his own faith to see what he believes. What is your faith founded in? The Christian questions and answers from Luther's small catechism are helpful in that sort of examination. You can find them on page 38 in your hymnary, where, for instance, you question yourself, what have you deserved from God by your sins? And you answer his wrath and displeasure, temporal death and eternal damnation, confessing what you believe about your own sin. And you ask, in whom then do you trust? To which you answer, in my dear Lord Jesus Christ. And when you ask, what then has Christ done for you that you trust in him? You answer, he died for me and shed his blood for me on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. Examination of what you believe about the gospel and about Jesus. Many in this world will try to reduce the qualification for saving Christian faith to this. Do you believe in Jesus? As long as a person trusts in Jesus, they think it's enough. But the problem is, what do you believe about Jesus? 
To take it to an absurd extent, a person might say, yes, I believe in Jesus, but if examined further, might say, I believe Jesus is a demon who climbed his way to heaven to show us how to climb our way into heaven. Obviously, someone with that sort of faith is not a Christian and does not have saving faith, but they can still say, I believe in Jesus. The Athanasian Creed summarizes what a person ought to believe about Jesus in order to be saved, and you can find that also in the hymnary, pages 29 and 30. On page 30, it says, Furthermore, it is necessary for everlasting salvation that one also believe faithfully the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is further explained as believing that Jesus is fully God and true man who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father God Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. And these are similar words you might regularly confess in the Apostles or Nicene creeds as well. Some of this would not be fully revealed until after Jesus' resurrection, but even still, his followers were growing in their grasp of these truths. This is the faith that Jesus sought to increase. Ultimately, in this official and his household, you can see a story of just such growing faith. The man had some trust in Jesus. In his urgent need, he came to the source of salvation. He went to him and begged him to come down and heal his son because his son was about to die. And Jesus countered. And the man just began, began wrestling him just as millennia earlier Jesus had wrestled with this man's forefather, Jacob. Jacob was left alone and he wrestled with a man there until daybreak. When the man saw he could not defeat him, he touched the socket of his thigh and the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated as he wrestled. The man said, let me go, it's daybreak. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And at the end of the struggle, when Jacob had been renamed Israel, he said, I have seen God face to face and my life has been spared. Israel then also became the name of Jacob's descendants, the nation of God's people. By faith, even Gentiles are spiritual Israel, children of the promise. And so you are also part of this Israel by your faith. And the name Israel is a Hebrew word which means he wrestles with God. You can expect, therefore, that your life of faith will be one of wrestling with God. Combat and a fight with your various struggles and trials as you cry out to God with things that are very urgent for you. When your prayers to God are met with resistance, a rebuke where you expected hope, it's a challenge to turn again as that desperate father did and said, Lord, come down before my little boy dies. That's not God asking you to make a clearer decision for him because you can't do that. Instead, it's a strengthening of what he has already given to you. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery so that you are afraid again, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we call out Abba, Father. God gives you the voice to call out to him. So this wrestling match in the gospel ended with a blessing pronounced for the royal official, just as a blessing was pronounced upon Jacob. Go, Jesus told him, your son is going to live. 
When he found out from his household staff the exact moment that his son became well, the father realized that was the exact time when Jesus had told him, your son is going to live. Now listen closely to this end result. And he himself and his whole household believed. Jesus had spoken a word that came true. Not only the word that healed this man's little boy, he had also said, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you certainly will not believe. And that came true. They saw miraculous signs and wonders, and they believed. Jesus knows how to make you believe. He has spoken his methods for us as well. He has said that through baptism, you will receive faith. He has said that through the word of God, you will be sanctified. He has said that through his holy supper, you will receive the forgiveness of sins. These form the anchor chain that hold you fast in the storms of this life. When you face death for yourself or for your loved ones, when you face struggles that are physical, mental, or financial, or spiritual, or emotional, when you are attacked by your sin or by the devil, God is holding you, and your desperate cry for help to him is the response of the faith that he is strengthening in you through these signs given in our time. And all of this has as its goal salvation for eternity. Like the sacraments, the miracle that Jesus gave to this official was two things simultaneously. It's a thing in itself, and it also contains symbols for what it has within itself. Baptism, for instance, is an actual rebirth in life in Christ. And by seeing the water, we can be reminded of the flood, which reminds us of the same sort of rebirth, death and life. The Lord's Supper is actually Christ's body and blood given as forgiveness of sins, as food for immortality. And by seeing the bread and wine, we can be reminded of the heavenly wedding feast, which we anticipate by eating that meal. And the word of God actually bespeaks us righteous, creating life where there was only death. We can be reminded of creation accomplished solely by God's word, just as our recreation is accomplished by God's word. And just so in this miracle, we see a boy snatched from the jaws of death. But through Jesus' word and preaching and the teaching connected with it, and through the wrestling with the boy's father, more than this mere boy was given life. His whole household believed, and by believing, they were all brought to eternal life. More than this, as the Apostle writes at the end of this book, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So by this very miracle, you also are snatched from the jaws of death. You know that in this life you are one day going to die unless Jesus comes first. Death is a reality for all of us. But through the word and sacraments, Jesus is training you to look beyond this death and to see the true victory that's been given to you. St. Paul writes, For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to take a stand on the evil day and after you have done everything, to stand. 
You are ever more strengthened in the faith that as God spoke through the prophet Hosea, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Death, where are your plagues? Grave, where is your destruction? He has ransomed you. He is training you throughout your life through the word and sacraments to trust him, to have faith, to receive eternal salvation. He wrestles with you the way fathers wrestle with their children. Parents in the animal kingdom do the same. Lions and bears and wolves wrestle their young to train them to hunt and to fight. Human fathers wrestle with their children for a greater purpose. Building muscles and reflexes is good, but what's more important is the strengthening of trust. The child can struggle against his father but always knows that his father never means him any harm, but ultimately means to hold him close, to love him, to keep him safe. This is how God wrestles with you. It's not all fun and games because these are very real struggles, but remember that God is with you in your struggles. He has gone to the cross for your life. He has died for your sins. He's been raised to life for your justification. Through his wrestling with you, he is showing you his scars, showing you his love, and showing you his presence. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He has saved you, and he carries you now in time until joyous eternal life in heaven. Amen. Please rise. The peace of God which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to everlasting life. Amen.